I want to talk about developing a virtual communications learning plan. Whether you are a professional caregiver or a family caregiver, you are probably going to want to expand your virtual communication skills to meet the growing need to communicate virtually with clients, prospects, or family members. As you start to think about what you want to learn and how you're going to go about learning it, remember the MAPS method described above. Remember motivation. Tap into your own or your staff's motivation to help and to grow. Assess. What skills do you really need to have more effective engagement with the people you care for? Remember that both sides of the virtual communications relationship need to be able to use the same kind of communication mechanisms that you choose, or whatever mechanisms you choose. Match residents' needs and capabilities with organizational needs and capabilities. Plan. Develop a training plan for yourself and for your residents and staff. And then S is Skills for Sustainability. Develop the skills base you and your residents will need to thrive both now and in the future. Another thing to keep in mind is to develop SMART goals for your training. The acronym SMART will help you remember the elements that make up effective goals. S stands for specific. Set goals that are as specific as possible. Avoid vague, ill-defined goals. M is measurable. Set measurable outcomes. What could you measure to give yourself a sense of progress and effectiveness? What level of skill do you want to achieve? How many would be trained? What skills will they be able to perform? And so on. A stands for achievable. Set goals that are challenging, yet achievable. You want to experience success, after all. Don't set goals that are impossible to achieve and set yourself up for failure and disappointment. R is relevant. What are your most pressing needs? What skills or technologies will have the biggest impact? And then T is time-bound. You need to set a timeline for completion that includes benchmarks for incremental progress towards the larger goal. That's the SMART acronym for SMART Goals. You might want to start by doing an audit of your existing skill sets. What are your current skills and those of your staff, your family, and your friends? What are the current skills possessed by your residents and loved ones? The last thing you want to do is design a brilliant virtual activity that can't be implemented, nor do you want to create an activity that is beyond the capability of the majority of your residents or of your family. So it's vital, therefore, to do an audit of the virtual communication skills possessed by your entire staff, and another one for all of your residents. You might find, for example, that a member of your cleaning staff creates podcasts in her spare time. Huh. A sous chef in your kitchen might be fluent in creating videos and posting them on YouTube. For that matter, Maud in Apartment 17 might be a FaceTime pro, or Uncle Charlie was a videographer who loves making videos. Put them to work. Figure out what skills your staff and residents and family already have 
and then get creative about expanding people's responsibilities in this time of crisis. Ask your staff to be creative about how they could make use of their passions and skills to better serve your residents. And ask residents to volunteer to help design and run virtual activities. It's all hands on deck. So then once you've done an audit of your current skills, you can then turn your attention to giving some thought to what new skills can be learned and by whom. Identify members of your current staff who are in the best position to learn new virtual skills and to efficiently leverage them in a timely manner. For that matter, do the same for your residents. Give them the time and resources they need to get up to speed on the virtual technologies that will give you the biggest bang for your buck. What is the baseline virtual capability of the residents of your community? Do they all have smartphones? Do they all know how to text each other on their smartphones? Does every room have an intercom that allows you to talk with every resident, either individually or collectively? Does everyone in your community have Wi-Fi access? Do they all have computers, iPads, and so on? Then you need to prioritize. What training programs for residents will provide the biggest results for the largest group of people? Teaching everyone to text on their smartphones, for example, or teaching everyone to use emails and attachments. Well, would it be most efficient to teach everyone how to download podcasts or YouTube videos? As you ramp up the baseline capabilities of your residents, you will then need to make sure you have the equipment to communicate with residents and staff who know how to use the communication mediums effectively. Let me tell you a little bit about my own virtual communications learning curve. A few months before the coronavirus pandemic hit, I decided that MindRamp needed to start producing podcasts. We're a small operation, so starting a podcast meant that I had to be the one to do it. Now, I'm in my 70s, relatively comfortable with new technologies, but by no means fluent in all of the communications options. I don't check Facebook very often, and I don't tweet or use Instagram. I don't even listen to that many podcasts. Nevertheless, in about two months' time, I was producing decent podcasts. I started out by searching for online instructions on how to do the podcasts. There's a ton of free information that uh, gave me my bearings and helped me to figure out the next set of questions that I needed to answer. It turns out that producing podcasts is a fairly simple procedure that can be done on a shoestring. I have a MacBook Pro computer that includes the GarageBand app, which supports both recording and editing. The only other piece of equipment that I needed to purchase, according to all the online advice, was a decent microphone, which can be purchased new for around $100. Now, YouTube is an amazing source of information. You can learn almost anything on YouTube. By watching YouTube videos and reading free instruction manuals, I quickly learned how to write or outline effective podcast scripts, how to record using GarageBand, how to use Zoom to record interviews with people in different locations, how to access free music and free sound effects, how to edit the recordings. I learned the value of podcast hosting services. 
I learned how to convert GarageBand recordings into MP3 files, how to upload MP3 files to the podcasting hosts, which include customized websites for the podcasts. And the podcast host I'm using, which is Buzzsprout, takes care of storing and distributing my podcasts for only $12 a month. So that's a lot of stuff. It sounds impressive, but it was just sort of taking one step at a time and going through it and learning it. I do have a couple of advantages that make podcasting easier for me. First, I used to be an actor, and I'm pretty good at reading text and making it sound natural. So I didn't have to learn that skill. Second, we have an endless supply of content about brain health, mental flourishing, and successful aging at MindRamp. Roger and I teach classes on the subject, and we've written two textbooks and multiple guidebooks. I write about the topic constantly, so we never really have to face the dilemma of what to talk about. My overall point here is that producing podcasts turns out not to be rocket science, or brain science for that matter. Any reasonably intelligent and motivated person can learn to produce effective audio files that can be widely distributed. I haven't yet tackled the challenge of creating videos and distributing them on YouTube, but I'll get to that in the near future. You and your staff can do the same thing with podcasts and with a range of other kind of virtual communication methods. <laughs>